You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about tips for summer reading outside. You know, don't don't get a sunburn on your book. Don't, don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. Uh, and we're talking to some library friends about combating book banning, something y'all really want to know about. So we've reached out to some library pals and stick around to hear about that. <laughs> that was a weird that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that. <laughs> I can't wait for Sean to edit that together. Don't edit it. Leave it as is. Uh, but first, what are you reading, Bria? I just listened to a full cast reading of the can- the Candy House by Jennifer Egan. Wow, that uh, is that the- that's her new one, right? This is the new one. This is the new one. Um, wow, there's so many cast members. Mallory, I'm looking at this list right now. It's Michael Boatman, Nicole Lewis, Tom Sadowski, uh, Colin Donald. There's so many wow. people. I mean, there's up to there's at least 20 names here um, because every so it's all told from different points of view. And then each chapter section is read by a different person. And there's like one chapter that's a bunch of emails back and forth. And those are all the emails are read by a different, read and performed by a different um, um, narrator. So it's really interesting to read it because, you know, you're reading the, if, if you were reading it on the page, you would be, you know, reading who it's from and stuff. But it's interesting because I can tell who it's from because it's because it's different voices. It was really well done. I'm really glad I listened to it uh, for that reason because there's That's this awesome. whole section. So anyway, there's different sections. And basically, the overall story is that there's a guy who decides that he is going to um, externalize memory. So it's a sci-fi book. Uh, he's going to externalize memory. And he comes up with this new technology called Own Your Unconscious. Uh, that allows you to access every memory you've ever had. And you put it out there. You, like, hook yourself up to this machine. You put it out there. And, like, you can see everything that you've ever, ever lived through, which is pretty horrifying. And I was going to say, I don't think I want that. Yeah. And when you do it, the only thing, the thing is that you have to share it with the world. So anytime you share, when you share your unconscious, you share it with the world so they can access everything you've done. But you can also access things other people have done. So if you're like, ah, I wonder what this one night I, I was there, but I didn't see it from this angle. You can like find other people who've done it, who've seen it from that angle, basically. And so these are all different narratives about this guy, his family, his like neighbors, like every, there's all different stories that within this world. And the idea is that he came up with the idea around 2010 and this takes place over the next like 20 or so years or so or something. And um, basically it, it goes from everything from like people who are trying to figure things out um, with their memory related to this, people who um, there's, there's like a spy chapter. Like it's like, but it's all people related to this one family and one thing that ha- one and this event of having this own your unconscious thing um it is awesome it is super it is it sounds like a very bria book i it think is, memory stuff might be in your wheelhouse i think it might be i think it is i do like memory stuff a lot and um you know jennifer egan's just a really great writer um so i super duper enjoyed it uh uh what are you reading mallory well our listeners are going to be very proud of me because i just finished a visual novel and hey. that's what i'm going to be talking about i actually finished six visual novels because i got covid yeah. <laughs> finally and by i got covid i mean covid got me because i was extremely sick uh, for a week straight, I couldn't get out of bed and I couldn't read, which was very distressing for me. And I thought, you know what? 
maybe I'll try a visual novel because I had Jeremy's Switch with me in my little isolation room. And I played through a ton of games. I played Lost Words Beyond the Page. I played Night in the Woods. I played Kentucky Route Zero, Little Misfortune, Jenny LeClue. Wow. Um, But the one I'm going to talk about um, that is great, and I think you would really love it, it's called If Found. And it truly is a visual novel. There is no walking. There are no puzzles. There's It's just reading. And the way that you read it is you erase diary entries and there's all these little like uh illustrations that 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 are there and it's two stories one of them is a space explorer named cassiopeia trying to prevent a black hole from destroying the earth the other story is this young trans woman uh named cassio and she lives in this small irish village it takes place in 1993 and she's come home from college she's going to school for astrophysics or some sort of space related thing and she ends up like leaving her home because her mom isn't accepting her and she goes to live in this big like rotting manor house with these friends of hers that have started a band and then you start to realize that the two narratives are kind of are interacting with each other and but again you go through the story by erasing journal her journal entries and erasing her illustrations that wow. that she's done. And it's super fun. It's really beautiful. It will probably make you cry. The illustrations are great. It's super fun. It really um, got me through uh, my uh, long, dark night of the COVID soul. Um, so I really I really liked it, and I really wanted to, to recommend it. It's absolutely fantastic. And um, if you're if you were wondering, it is created by a trans woman, Laura McGee. She's Irish, and it's, it's um, I think it won a bunch of awards. It's like it's just so amazing. So this is an own, own voices game. Um, so that's uh, the visual novel, if found. And mine is the Candy House by Jennifer Egan. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. We have more book tracking feedback. We got so much of it. People love it. Y'all love I love to track reading your books. it. You love to track your books and we appreciate that. Yes. It's well, I I just always love hearing all the different ways people do it. Mm. I feel like everyone tracks their books a little bit differently. Um, but TJ wrote in to say, Hey, Brian Mallory, I'm in the middle of your episode about tracking your reading. And Bria mentioned that the notes app on your phone is an, uh, is even an acceptable place. I thought I'd write in and share a tragic tale. By the way, I've I love tracking- that TJ, TJ was like, I'm in the middle of this episode, but I had to stop and write you this email. <laughs> yeah. We get a lot of emails like that. I love that people are like, hold the phone. I have to tell them this right now. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, TJ says, I've been tracking my reading via the notes app on my phone since 2016. This winter, I fell and broke my phone. And because it wasn't backed up, I lost the only record of the hundreds of books I've read in those years. That and about a thousand pictures of my cat tractor, picture included, I can confirm. Very cute cat. Mm -hmm. uh, Are the two things that I lost that I'm saddest about. At first, I was desperate to get the data back. But now I've begun again, this time in a spreadsheet that's connected to the cloud. Smart move. I'm hopeful that this means I won't lose it again. And I'll be able to expand the details that I track. Thanks. So much for a great show. Some of my favorite recommendations, including Devil House by John Darnielle, have come from you two in the past few years. Here's to many more. Very nice. Man, that is a that nightmare. Is a, that is a tragic story. And you know what? I don't think my notes app backs up to the cloud, but now I will check it. Mine does. Mm. Yeah, I, che- I checked it after we got this email and mine does. <laughs> Jessica wrote in and said, I track my books with the Storygraph app. It breaks down everything into pie charts, genre, mood, length, Fiction and nonfiction, et cetera. I love a good pie chart. 
That is great. Jessica, I was just sitting with my friend Robin not too long ago, and Robin pulled up her story graph app and like showed me her graph and was like, here's my pie chart wow. and was very excited to show it to me. And I was like, ooh, I do oh love Oh my God, that. I get it now. That's why it's called story graph. Wow. I... It is a it is a story. It is a graph about the stories you were reading. Wow. Didn't yeah. put that together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, story graph, if, you, if you're a fan of charts, story graph's the place, man. Wow. Uh, Jeanette wrote in to say, I have just enjoyed Lourdes episode. I love to use a reading journal and actually recently got Ann Bogle's reading journal. And I love it. A lot of love for My Reading Life by Ann Bogle. Mm. Uh, Beautiful reading journal. Um, uh, Jeanette says, I also use Goodreads to track my reading since 2017. I feel like the hybrid model is quite popular. It truly, truly is. Uh, And then we also have a wheelhouse from Clara. Clara said, um, historical fiction about circuses and amusement parks. That's a real Mallory Mallory thing. Love it. Um, unhinged gay shit and line-blurring <laughs> magical realism. That's very great. <laughs> Thank you for your energy and have a great rest of your day. P.S. What does it say? Be oh, she says glasses. Oh. Like the way that we say it. In I the, see. In I the, see. In the I ads. see. And have a, have a great rest of your day. Glasses. Uh, P.S. I'm not a Sarah of any variety, but people constantly think it's my name. So I'm wondering, does it count? And the answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And bookmark, quick reminder from us that our readathon is August 21st. It's a Sunday. We haven't released the times yet, but there will be Zoom parties for uh, our uh, our um, our maximum fund members. There will, will be a live stream that's available to everybody. But mark it on your calendars. It's a day full of reading, August 21st. We're so excited. And before we talk about reading outside, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Magic Spoon. If y'all listen to the show, you know two things about us. Maybe three things. One, we like to read. Two, we like to eat healthy. Three, we don't want to do a lot of work when it comes to eating healthy, and that's why we like Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon has innovated and changed the cereal game by perfecting the crunchy texture and developing an astounding variety of flavors without all the carbs and sugar. It's got zero grams of sugar, 13, 14 grams of protein. That is a lot of protein for a bowl of cereal, and only four to five net grams of carbs in each serving. Mallory loves it. We talk about it all the time on the show. Mallory orders it every week because it's low-carb, it's keto-friendly, it's gluten-free, it's grain-free, it's soy-free, and it's only 140 calories a serving. Like we said, it is healthy. You can build your own box with a huge variety of appealing flavors. Let me tell you about some of these great flavors. The classics. You got the ones that you that you you love that you remember that you go back to time and time again because that's what makes a classic. It's uh, it's cocoa, it's peanut butter, it's things like that. And hey, here's a pro tip: mix that cocoa and peanut butter for a real dose of nostalgia. You can also in that classic section get a uh, fruity. You can get frosted. You know you like a frosted cereal. Um, and then what about the cult faves? They're kind of sweet. They maybe they're smoky and syrupy. They're they're new kinds, but you know don't knock them till you try them. Blueberry muffin, maple waffle, and honey nut. Three kinds of awesome cereals that you can enjoy. And then we have the indulgent ones. You know, those are the kinds that I like. I like something that tastes like a cookie or a cake, and I can just eat it in a bowl. This one, we got you covered on this. They have cookies and cream and cinnamon roll. 
Go to magicspoon.com slash glasses to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try the magic for yourself. And be sure to use the promo code glasses at checkout to save $5 on your order. And Magic Spoon, it has a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. So no questions asked. Hey, this is no risk to you. Just go to magicspoon.com slash glasses and use the code glasses to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Hey there, quick favor to ask. Will you help us out by taking a five-minute survey at MaximumFun.org survey? As you know, most of the support for MaxFun comes directly from folks like you, but many of our shows and our network also rely on limited advertising for some revenue. This survey helps us attract advertisers that are a good fit for the audiences of our shows, and it helps many of our hosts secure a bit of extra income. It should only take a few minutes to complete, and you'll get a discount at MaxFun store when you do. That's MaximumFun.org survey. Thanks. This week, it's summertime, prime time for reading outside, at the beach, by the pool, near a lake, at the park. Wherever you're doing your summer reading, we've got some tips to protect your books and keep you comfortable. Bria, you're a big outdoor reader, right? Uh, I mean, I do. I like reading outside. That is true. I find there's something very, like, even if I'm not on vacation and I'm like, I'm going to go read this outside. There's something, like, very vacation mode about it. Like, it's like, am I... Living the most luxurious life of all time because like, I am, am I in an Instagram ad. That wow. it, yeah, I, that's how I feel about reading outside. It's that in a daytime matinee movie. Those two make me feel like <laughs> I am living oh, yeah. the life I dreamed for myself. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I I have been known to go read in a park, read in my yard. Um, but if I'm on a vacation, I will say there's nothing that I love more than reading next to a body of water and. It doesn't really matter what body of water. It can be an ocean. It can be a pool. It can be a pool in someone's backyard. But I <laughs> really like reading and not swimming. Although I love swimming. I think reading next to a pool is just like peak awesomeness. Like there's just something Agreed. I just Agreed. really, really enjoy. I have a friend that every time I'm next to a pool reading, I send him a photo of me and my book because he thinks it's really funny that I don't get in the water. <laughs> and I just sit next to said pool. Um, what about you? Do you like reading outdoors? Oh, I love reading outside. It's the best of both worlds. It's an indoor activity outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it is. You're like, oh, I'm doing this thing that I normally do inside, outside. Can you Ooh, believe wow. that I'm allowed to leave my house like this? <laughs> oh, incredible. Uh, reading outside, preferably by, by like a lake or a river or some sort of body of fresh water is like my ultimate relaxing yeah, you don't, activity. You don't like salt water? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I, I'm not a big beach person. Okay. Um, I'm very pale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like, I don't like you, sand. You need, you need tree cover. You need like I a, need tree. I, yes, yeah. I definitely need tree cover for sure. <laughs> and I, I might even say reading outside by a lake or a river might be my favorite activity. Wow. No, it is really great. Um, but we'll say the downside of reading outside is that outside is not always the safest place for books mm. or for people. Mm. Uh, so we've got some tips on keeping your print book or e-reader in yourself safe from the elements. As I just said, sand. Oh, yeah. Sand is the worst. Yeah. It is the biggest enemy of the outdoor reader for beach e-reading. Um, oh, man. Sand is just bad for all things. Yeah. Except it- maybe a rock. Ooh, what about like skin exfoliation? Isn't it good for that? I mean, yeah, but to, to a certain point, 
you know, there's a certain point where it crosses over from exfoliation to irritation. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, then you're, then you're in a rough spot. No pun intended. Um, What about for tracking time in a very small increment? (laughs) Okay. If you're father time, you probably love sand. (laughs) You love sand. Do you think father time just goes to the beach and it's like, oh, wow, it's it's all over the place. He just counts it in time. He's like, this is 4 million years. (laughs) 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 But someone who doesn't like sand is an e-reader. Not the person, but the device. Yes. So for beach e-reading, putting a protective case or a clear Ziploc bag over your e-reader is never a bad idea. And if you don't want to do that, if you like a raw e-reader, nothing in between you and the e-reader, you get sand on the screen. Big tip, always shake it. Never wipe it off. Sand sand can scratch your screen. Be really, really careful. Um, What are your tips for this old e-reader that likes to be outside? The shaking is key because you can also get sand in that little port where you plug your e-reader in. And uh, if you try to, like, do something else, shake it out if if you can. Is that the Um, e-reader's book butt? That is home. I mean, or it's butthole. I don't know. I don't want to get too into it. It could be his mouth, too, I guess. I don't know. Um, There are some really great waterproof cases out there. Um, One we need to review, because I have it at the house, Mallory, and I keep forgetting to tell you. But we have have one that we should review because it is very cute, and you can put your e-reader inside. Um, But you can also go old school. Get get yourself a little Ziploc bag. Put your e-reader in that. That works as well. You know, you just have to be careful because sand expands. Sand is like exponential. You think it's gone? No, yep. it's just there in your butt crack. It is waiting. It waiting. is waiting. It's, waiting it's in your you. book butt crack. It is all sorts of places. So it's just... All the butt cracks you have, yeah, it's there. Keep it out of that plug area, whatever we're going to call it. I, I kind of refuse to call it the butthole. So, um, <laughs> um, and like Mallory said, doing a shake is good. I also read online, you can get a toothbrush with soft bristles and clean it out if you need to do that because that will... Oh, that could be smart. a real killer if it gets in there especially got wet or something that could be horrible but um yeah Yeah. so a soft bristle could can get that sand out what about regular books and sand i mean it's not so bad on them but as we discussed before getting sand in your book butt is a pain um because like everyone's had that experience where you bring a not everyone but if you've ever brought a book to the beach like maybe a week later you open the book up and there's still like little grains of sand in there and Mm -hmm. you're like where did you come from how did you get here um shaking helps of course uh but honestly my best pick for this or my best tip for this is pick a book that you aren't precious about do not lug your beautiful new hardcover to the beach within a few hours it's gonna get ripped it's gonna get sand in it it's just gonna happen you know don't just don't do it plus it's really heavy uh what you should do is bring a mass market paperback or a trade paperback Uh, avoid a library book if you can help it if you can't help it and you want to bring you're like oh god i just have this gigantic new book and i know i shouldn't bring it to the beach but i really want to read it um i recommend bringing a special tote that's dedicated just for books so no other potentially sandy items are put Uh, in there like this is my book bag you're not putting like Um, towels and shit on there no, it's like dedicated for books and then just keep the book in the tote whenever you're not reading it. Uh, so you don't knock it into the sand. There's been so many times where I'm like, oh, you know what? I'll put my book down. I'm going to go in the water. I'll put it I'll put it here on this towel. It'll, it'll be fine. Nope. Someone shakes their towel over it. Someone trips on it. Someone knocks it into the sand. And then you got a sandy book butt and you're going to be <laughs> unhappy. So just keep it in that tote at all times. I'll be your special, your your beach beach book tote. But Bria, what about the other enemy of books? Water. Oh, yeah. Again, you got to get a good cover for this e-reader. If you're going to be by the water a lot, if you have splashing children nearby, or maybe a dolphin wants to come up and blow 
water through this little <laughs> blowhole. Is that what they do? <laughs> a friendly, a friendly whale blows water through the blowhole. Gets if all you're over reading your book. in the open ocean on a raft. <laughs> I don't know what your habits are. Um, (laughs) Time to go set up for the open sea. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, But again, plastic bag also is going to help you here. They also make waterproof e-readers. And um, I have one. I have not used it yet. Actually, I think my Kobo is uh, is waterproof, but I'm kind of too afraid to test it because that's the the kind of thing you might only test once. You know, like, oh, no. no. Yeah, I mean... Waterproofing has come a long ways, you know, like, I mean, it really truly has. I, uh, I have a, um, a, like a Fitbit, I have a Fitbit and I wear it in the pool and I was scared to at first, but it's it's designed to be worn in the pool. And so I go swim, I swim laps and, um, it works great. It has, it, it, it hasn't, it has died. I have had to replace it, but I don't think that was the reason. I think that was my own, my own doing. So, I mean, waterproofing has come a long ways. God, I remember when I was a kid. My granddad had this watch and you could take it like really far under the water. And that was like a big deal. Like we talked about it a lot. I remember Those that. Like, there were, like, yeah, there's like certain and people would, and grandpas would always be like, I could take this a thousand feet under. Yeah, and yeah. be like, when, when are you ever going to need that? <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Um, uh, but yeah, so if you are spending a ton of time next to whale blowholes, I'm going to say go ahead and invest in that waterproof reader. Otherwise, I think you'll be safe as long as you just keep it away from things that are too splashy don't sit next to yeah, the high dive a, you know same for a book um I, I think if you're going if you're reading at the beach or reading near a pool just bring a ziploc bag just in case um it's really your best friend for outdoor reading it can protect from everything and it's something that you know just put get a get a tote bag put a ziploc bag in it and i think that basically covers you for almost all outdoor reading activities book wise or, or um yeah book wise protection wise mm-hmm, book mm-hmm. protection wise mm-hmm. um finally about the sun now this is not about your books this is about you um if you can we recommend bringing some sort of shade with you whether that's an umbrella or a pop-up tent or a gigantic sun hat i just got back recently from vacation in austin and one of my friends becca uh becca and katie each bought these sun hats, Bria, they were as big as an area rug. <laughs> this sun, sun hat was probably over six feet in diameter. Wow. And you had to like fold it in half to put it on. But then it was great. Like there was one time where we were outside and I, I was starting to look a little red and they put the sun hat on me and it was like being in your own tent. That's great. It, highly recommend it because you always think whenever I go outside to read I'm like oh I'll just find some shade under a tree and then I end up having to get up and move my stuff every half an hour Mm -hmm. to chase the shade it's just so much easier to set up your own shade and bring a like an umbrella or something and then you're set for the whole day and your reading will not be interrupted yeah this is one of the the places where you know an analog book is going to be your friend over a kindle though because sun can affect a kindle it can overheat. I was going to say, do they overheat? Yeah, just like an iPhone. I will find, I think they're much more, um, I, I think they're much more resistant to overheating. Um, like my, I feel like my phone overheats all the time. And I've noticed it, yeah. for those who are listening to book, to listening to books, um, on your little vacay, that is when my phone likes to overheat when I'm streaming something or when I'm listening to something and if it's in the sun. So just be careful with that. But just like um, the phone, Kindle, anything, you just have to keep keep it out of the direct sunlight and it usually does pretty well. I think unless you're in like, you know, this, the, the middle of the desert and it's 120 degrees or something like that, I think you'll be okay. Just the direct sunlight is what what's the killer. 
So do you have any other tips for reading outside? Yeah, put on some sunscreen. Not for your book, oh, for yeah. you, for your own face. <laughs> we care about you and we care about your skin. We, it's very important. We also did a beach episode uh, way back. I suggest you take a re-listen to that. But I will always say pairing a nice vacation with a vacation type book, whatever that is for you, um, is always a good good plan. So planning what you're going to read on your your outdoor adventure, whether it's an outdoorsy book or you're like, I'm having too much outdoors, I want an indoor book. Uh, whatever it is that you <laughs> want, that pairing can make the experience so much more enjoyable. Um, what, what about you? Any other last tips? Um, I'm recommending bringing some kind of a chair. Even mm. it's one of those, like, you know those really small beach chairs that are wicked low to the ground? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, reading on a towel or a blanket is nice for a little while, but at least for me, if I don't have something to like lean on after an hour or so, I get uncomfortable and I'm like, oh no, my my idyllic paradise of reading outside is being is uh, getting tainted by the fact that I, I would love a chair or something to lean on. Uh, honestly, that hot dog chair that we reviewed would be ideal for this. <laughs> yeah, it really would be. It would be. And as you long can as pack there's not too many like sticks on the ground because that thing would pop. I don't know. It looked pretty hardy. Yeah, just some kind of, even if it's a small chair, just something to lean on. If you want to do like a day of reading outside, like ever, I always say my favorite, the thing that I do on my birthday every year is I want to, I like to read an entire book outside. That is my favorite thing to do. Um, but if, so if you want to have an extended reading session, highly recommend some sort of something to lean on, whether that's a, you know, folding chair, um, other types of, I don't know what other, there's so many like loungy beach chairs and I don't know the, the names for them, but something, something to lean on, I think will help. Great. So you can send your thoughts on reading outside to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your hot outdoor reading tips. Uh, but before we talk to some experts on combating book banning, we're going to take a quick break. Our show today is sponsored in part by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver the perfect injury-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. You'll probably know people who are microdosing. You've heard us talk about microdosing. And if you haven't, just know that all sorts of people are microdosing daily to feel better, to perform better, to feel healthier. Look, these taste really amazing, the microdose gummies, and they have the perfect doses of THC. And this is entry-level doses. So if you've never microdosed before, it may seem kind of scary. It may seem kind of new. Guess what? This is the perfect way to introduce it to your life, to feel just that right amount of good. Maybe you want to get in the zone when you're doing creative work. I know I like to do that. Or maybe sometimes you need a little help going to sleep. I know so many people who use microdosing to go to sleep at night. It'll help you wind down. It'll get all those thoughts out of your head. It'll help you sleep like a baby. Microdose is available nationwide. And to learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code GLASSES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. That's amazing. Links can be found in the show description. But again, that is microdose.com, code GLASSES. GLASSES. I'm Lisa Hannawalt. And I'm Emily Heller. Nine years ago, we started a podcast to try and learn something new every episode. Things have gone a little off the rails since then. <laughs> Tune in to hear about low stakes neighborhood drama, gardening, the sordid, nasty underbelly of the horse girl lifestyle, hot sauce, addiction to TV and sweaty takes on celebrity culture, and the weirdest, grossest stuff you can find on wikipedia.org. We'll read all of it no matter how gross. <laughs> 
There's something for everyone on our podcast, Baby Geniuses. Hosted by us, two horny adult idiots. Hang out with us as we try and fail to retain any knowledge at all. Every other week on Maximum Fun. Baby Geniuses, tell us something we don't know. Here we are with uh, past guest of the show, uh, school librarian, book critic, and author, Alex Brown. Alex, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am good. So I am going to read a listener question that we got and we wanted your opinion about. The question is, and we've gotten a few questions kind of like this, um, but it is, um, I've been hearing in the media so much about books being banned in more conservative areas and naively was surprised to find out it was happening here too, where, where the listener was writing in from. Um, I voted in the school board election, of course, but beyond that, I'm wondering what I can do at a local level to help counteract book banning in my community. Do you want to start there? The questions are, how can I learn about petitions to have books Pulled and how can I fight against them? And is it possible to get recently banned books unbanned? Oh, this is a big topic, and those are some very big and uh, good questions. The kind of the TLDR version is you have to get involved, and that means mm. beyond just voting. I mean, not just voting as if voting is nothing, but you have to actually be involved. So whether it's a school library or a public library. You need to go meet the library workers, um, go talk to administrators. You can write letters. Um, getting books unbanned is hard. It's not impossible, but it is hard. It's better to prevent the ban from happening. But um, you have to get involved. You have to physically be present. You have to physically write emails and letters, call people, call the administrators, call the people in charge, the board members. Yeah, get involved. And is that the best way? The petition question hmm. is interesting to me. Is there a way to learn about? So basically people are, they have to have petitions in order to ban these books. Is, is that correct? That depends. Um, ideally, if you've got a really good collection development policy, then within that policy, and those policies depend on schools and publics and academics, all that kind of stuff. But if you've got a really good strong collection development policy, then within that policy, there will usually be challenge procedure, like what is supposed to happen if somebody has a challenge for mm. a book. And then it's supposed to go through all of these steps and it may or may not resolve in removal of the, the item. Hopefully it will not resolve in the, or, you know, end up with the removal of the item. But that being said, <laughs> there are many libraries that have these policies and do not follow them. There are many libraries that don't have these policies. A lot of school libraries will not have complete policies or good policies because they don't have school librarians. Um, there are also, in many of these banning situations, board members and administrators who just ignore the policies that are there and do whatever they want. So <laughs> that makes it complicated. Um, so that's what I mean about getting involved. If you don't know what the collection development policy is for your library, you should be able to find it on their website. If you can't find it on their website, call the library or stop in and see if you can get a link to it. If you don't like the policy, if it's really weak, if it doesn't have any support for these challenge policies, bring that up. Again, write an email to the board, to the uh, director, whatever you can do. Um, things like change.org petitions probably aren't going to do much. Uh, not to say that you shouldn't do them, but 
they're not really connected in with the library. Um, so you, you really need to kind of bombard the board with emails and phone calls, things like that. Be a squeaky wheel, basically. Yes. You need to get involved and be, be a squeaky wheel. Okay. And um, last question. Let's say this is the first time somebody has heard about this and they're like, wait, there might be books banned in my hometown where I live right now. Is What, it, what is something you can do to find out just about your immediate community? Ooh, that is a really good question. Um, because honestly, a lot... Let me pause here. When we talk about okay. book bans... I think people have a very, I think the general public has a very specific and narrow idea of what's happening. I think when they hear book bans, they hear, you know, uh, conservative politician and wants to burn books and, and is, you know, putting a, creating a list of, of authors we're going to prosecute and all this kind of stuff, which yes, that is definitely the extreme. And that is happening increasingly, you know, often, but there's a lot of what we call in library world, soft censorship. And so that's a couple of things that is, um, I mean, there's, there's actual censor, uh, banning and censorship removal of items. Like I said, of board members, not adhering to policies of things just getting removed, but then there's soft censorship, which is library workers not ordering materials because they think it might be controversial. Um, library, right. library workers removing books because they think it might be controversial or even just moving what is like, you know, if there's a, a picture book, with, you know, uh, you know, Elizabeth has two daddies or something, and that book gets mm-hmm, removed, mm-hmm. moved to the adult section instead of the children's section. All of that is soft censorship. And that happens way more often than the regular book banning. And a lot of times it happens because the library workers don't feel that they have the support of either the community or and or their administrators and board members, mm-hmm. or they're just bad actors, which we have quite a few of them mm-hmm. too. Sure. So... Again, you have to go get involved, um, you know, reaching out to library staff, you know, next time you're in the library or sending an email, you can ask, have there been any books that have been removed for controversial reasons? Or are there, is there a list that's being built? What is going on with mm-hmm. soft censor? Like you can ask these questions. Um, and if you're in a situation where your library workers or administrators are being reluctant to share those information, share that information, then it's time to push a little harder. But especially to curb the soft censorship, one of the things that you can really do, and it's not just about writing letters when you're angry about something, write letters and emails when you're in support of something. So if there's a pride Mm. book display, send an email or fill out a comment card, shoot an email to the director of the the board or the library and say, I really loved this display. Tell the staff in person, I really loved this display. Check those books out, support them, request them. Like there's a lot of positive things you can do too. Right. Yeah. I mean, that seems like a very simple way is to check these books out and request them. You know, you can go online and request all sorts of books and having them in the libraries will hopefully buy them. Exactly. Okay, great. Oh, I just wanted to add one more thing is just to remember that public libraries and public school libraries are public. They shouldn't be keeping information from you about how they work. So, you know, make sure that you're actually asking those questions and, and demanding some answers. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to add? Those were wonderful answers. I think that's it. I feel like I've talked about this enough that I've got sound bites now. (laughs) You have it down at this point. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Sure thing. Anytime. I'll talk to you later. 
So here we are with Kelly Jensen, editor at Book Riot and former librarian. Thanks for coming on the show, Kelly. And thank you for having me. So this person is trying to figure out how they can help with counteract book banning in their community. Um, and what advice do you have for them? So the first thing I want to say is that voting in school board elections, which the person writing in mentioned, is a big one. So that is a huge positive uh, step to take that I think more and more people are starting to understand really is going to make a big difference. Um, There was recently talk in some of the media about how Moms for Liberty, which is one of the biggest uh, censorship groups out there now, has in their plan for the next year to really fill school boards with their conservative um, members. But this has been going on for a while. They've been actually doing this the entire year that they've been around so far. So, um, you know, the media is about a year behind on that. And (laughs) um, Moms for Liberty has been filling boards across the country um, and not just in what you might consider like traditional conservative areas, it's it's everywhere. It's not limited. But in addition to that, you'll want to show up to those school board meetings. You'll want to show up to your public library meetings and take your time at the mic. So all of these meetings will have public comment time. And depending on your community, it's anywhere between two and five minutes. And it doesn't matter what you talk about. So what a lot of these people who are banning books are doing is showing up and just reading excerpts from the books, complaining about books, do the opposite, show up and talk about how glad you are that the library has these books that, Mm. um, you saw a display at the library that you were particularly thrilled to see your community had anything that you can say that counteracts that negative attention is good. Take that same energy and write to your local like city council. Let them know what a great job the library is doing. Same goes for your school libraries. Write to the administrators and say, you're just so glad your kid has access to all of these books, queer books, um, books by and about people of color. And that's going to get your voice into the packets of decision makers. So school boards library boards get for their board meetings, these packets of things they're going to talk about. They have all kinds of communication that's gone on in the last month. And your positive statements are going to go right in there with those less positive ones. Mm -hmm. There was just a story out of, I think it was St. Tammany Parish in Louisiana, where there were several people complaining about a pride book display The news talked about this and then noted that of the 45 people who had written or shown up to talk about the display, only 15 were complaints. Everybody else showed up to talk about how great it was to see that. Uh And and I think that we forget the power of like saying something good, even if it's not, you know, super in depth, even if it's not something that you have prepared for a long time, Um, just a simple like yay books, glad they're here, Um, glad to be in a community that supports this, does make a difference. So that would be like my big number one is, you know, show up. I know in person can be tricky, write letters that that will get on their radars as well. Additionally, write to if you've got a newspaper locally. And I, I, I say locally because a lot of the big news companies, organizations, I don't even know the right way to put it. So many small newspapers are owned by these giant corporations. And 
they're like you would expect with anything on the internet, they're driven by clicks and hits. So a lot of stories go either untold or are poorly reported because they're not going to drive the same kind of traffic that like a, a more sexy books, book challenge story is going to. Um, so use the opportunity to find those outlets that you can write a letter to the editor and just say the same thing that you would say in a letter to someone on the board. Um, you're so glad that your library put up a pride display for June. You're so glad that you were able to check out a book like Gender Queer with your family and, and read it and share it. Um, those things do make a difference. And the more positive words out there, the more those complaints, those um, absolutely bigoted, radical, crazy people, um, and I say that as a crazy person with mental illness, um, these people are like way off on a different different end here. Um, the more you drown it out and the more you make it clear just how out of line their values are. And maybe most importantly, this is something I've been chewing on a lot is when you listen to the way these people talk at school board meetings or talk online, like whatever forum they're using for their opinion, they say, you know, all parents want this or all adults want this or our community wants this. And the reality is they don't speak for me. They don't speak for you. They're speaking for themselves. And so take the mic back. Take the mic back and speak for yourself. Speak on behalf of like rational thought here. That's amazing. <laughs> Kelly, that is such a, um, I feel like that is such the perfect response. So if people are trying to figure out what books have been banned in their community or if they want to get books unbanned, have you heard of anyone doing anything like just getting this information about their community? Is there a place that people should go specifically? Well, I've been trying best as I can to round up like every news story I can find each week in a book riot roundup of book censorship news. Now it's it's going to be impossible to get everything. And part of that is going to go back to my complaint about the media and how many things are behind paywalls. And so you can't even like get the, the whole story. But in short, one thing I found that works really, really well is if you are on top of what's going on in your school board and your library board locally. So just go through their minutes, go through their agendas, like listen to the meetings that they record. Um, you'll find out a lot in the public comment period. That's where I have discovered so much about what is going on and, and the sorts of people who are showing up and attempting to speak on behalf of a community. Um, oftentimes they don't live in that community. They're just part of a group doing these things. So I mean, it can get tedious, but, you know, you're doing something online that doesn't require your whole brain span, like pop on whatever the last meeting was and just listen to it in the background. Um, the other thing I would do is Taslin Magnuson, who um, she is an independent researcher, has been tracking as many book bans as she can since I think she started in October and she's working with every library. Now her database is available on every library and you can kind of scroll through. Um, it's broken down by state community. And right now hers is probably the most thorough given what we know about the information that is easy to find. Great. Okay. Awesome. We will link to that and your roundup in our show notes. If people awesome. want to find those. Um, anything else you want to add? This was great. Um, 
the biggest thing is I just want to emphasize, like, at this point, I think that the the change is going to happen by showing up to the school board meetings. And if you have the time and capacity running for school board, absolutely voting in school board elections. Um, you know, it, it used to be they were down ballot initiatives. They didn't get a whole lot of votes. And that's, I think, where we have, when I say we, I mean, I don't even want to say progressive because that's not the right word. Just like rational mm. um, folks have, have been sort of erased. <laughs> like, um, you know, these very conservative, very right wing groups have come in and made that their agenda and have done a lot of work because we have not paid attention to that before. We haven't had to. Um, and now it's very clear that that is much more crucial than we once believed it to be. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the yeah, show today. Thank you. Now let's answer a recommendation request from one of our listeners. Laura writes in, I'm a huge fan of reading glasses and cannot thank you enough for your wonderful podcast. Oh, you're welcome, Laura. Thanks for listening. I've always been too nervous to write in and ask for a recommendation, but today is the day. I love horror, but I haven't explored the middle grade horror genre much until I read The Nest by Kenneth Oppel last year based on Mallory's recommendation. Weirdly enough, a book I read outside on my birthday. Mm. <laughs> on a blanket. Uh, it was genuinely one of the scariest books I've ever read. I'd love more middle-grade horror wrecks. On a side note, Mallory, I'm e eager to pre-order girly drinks, but I can't decide which format to do. Man, we are backed up on recommendations. Backed up on requests. emails. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Sorry, Laura. We, we literally have, like, I think over 100 recommendation requests in the queue right now. But thank you. Thank you for pre-ordering Girly Drinks, Laura. Laura asks, are there drink recipes included in the book? If so, I'd like to have a physical copy of the book to look at the recipes. But if not, I'd like to listen to it like I listened to The Lady from the Black Lagoon. I'll say right now, if you are one of the people who hasn't read Girly Drinks yet, it is not a recipe book. There are no recipes in it. It is a history book. Uh, I mean, there's like a couple historical recipes, but that's not uh, I that's not really it. If you go on my website, I do have a list of recommended drink recipe books that are uh, created by women that I highly recommend and think are amazing. Um, but hopefully <laughs> Laura pre-ordered the, uh, probably Laura got the, the audio book of Girly Drinks. Um, and Laura also says, Bria, I watched Lucky a few weeks ago and I'm not stopped thinking about it. Can't wait to see your new projects. Oh. Laura, thank you so much. Wow. Um, what should Laura read, Bria? Well, this is really Mallory's world. Um, and while she's reading this, she unfolded a list a mile long, ready to make a recommendation. I, oh, just, I love middle grade horror. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really, I haven't, I have yet to really dip my toe more than just a little small toenail in there. But um, I did read recently The Thief of, Thief of Always by Clive Barker, and I did really like it. Oh, this is a good, good recommendation. It was I great. Love this it's, book. A, it's a classic. Um, it's about a boy who's bored with his life. He's in the doldrums of his life, and he's like, you know, 10 or something. And he finds, and then he, he, he goes out and he finds this house where it's Christmas every night. Um, and he's stoked and this is great. But the only problem is he can't and sort of doesn't want to leave and time starts to move differently. And um, it's great. It's a really well done uh, middle grade horror by one of uh, the great horror writers of our time. Um, Mallory, what do you have for Laura? My recommendation for this is very scary. Ooh. Chilly, chilly, chilly warnings here. Um, it's Scary Stories for Young Foxes by Christian McKay Heidecker. And it's fucked up. <laughs> I love this book. It's an interconnected anthology in the form of tales that are being told to and about this group of fox siblings as they grow up in the forest. And like the nest, uh, I will warn you, this book is extremely dark. 
much darker than you think it's going to be. I mean, like, because you look at it and you're like, oh, it's about a bunch of baby foxes and then, like, some really fucked up shit happens. Um, but that's why I'm recommending it for someone who loved The Nest. The Nest is the same way. It's a middle grade horror book, but, like, it is... Both Jeremy and I read it on this one vacation that we took um, for our birthdays because our birthdays are really close to each other in August. And I remember sitting, it was like bright afternoon in August and Jeremy was right next to me and like getting closer to me because he was so freaked out. About <laughs> He's like, oh my God. And scary stories for young foxes, it's sort of the same way. Jeremy and I actually read it to each other during October. Uh, it's a great book to like read aloud to people because there's like these short stories and there's... Um, illustrations it's it's a really really beautiful book like if you like um really nice print books i would highly recommend getting um getting it in print because it's just gorgeous but it's yeah it's really great it's really fucked up and i think it's a great recommendation for laura so that's scary stories for young foxes by christian mckay heidecker and i am recommending the thief thief of always by clive barker if you want us to answer your recommendation request, I promise we'll get to it. Just takes us a little while because we get so many of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And as always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, if you want to buy cool stuff, uh, you can check out our Void March store. I am literally wearing one of our Void March shirts right now. And now we like the- cut it off at the halfway point. It's very cute. It looks really cute. I love a cl- I love a crop. So I uh, I bought the all books are real books shirt mm-hmm. and made it into a crop top and I wear it all the time. I love it. But if you don't want a shirt, there's also tote bags and pillows and mugs and stickers and all kinds of cool stuff. The just, there's a bunch of different designs and all different sizes and colors. The thing I like about our Void merch store with the shirts is that you can pick different colors and types of fabric. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you can, can be, you can yeah. get like a softer fabric or a stiffer fabric. It's really cool. And you can get everything on a mug. Everything on a mug, which I love. <laughs> Give me a mug with with information on it or a, a saying on it. I I love that. Or a pillow. I'm literally wearing our library user shirt sweatshirt I right say now we're too. We're both wearing. Yeah, we void are. We love stuff. we love our void merch stuff. <laughs> we really do. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you like the show uh, and want to get something for us that doesn't cost you any money uh you can rate and review us on the podcast listening app of your choice it's great for us it helps us reach more listeners it helps us look like a really fancy podcast that people might want to listen to uh you can email us at reading glasses podcast at gmail.com find us on twitter at reading g podcast on instagram at reading glasses podcast thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading, reading.